Hey there, lunatics. Uh, Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. We had some technical difficulties on this episode, so right at the end, we lost internet and it just shut off. So just wanted to give you that heads up going into this one that you're going to get to the end and it's just going to cut off. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. We're coming to you live from the Wingate and he's God forsaken earbuds are going to drive me to drink more than I've already drank. I left my headphones at home and I had to go to Walmart and buy this garbage and it's driving me crazy. No, no, he lives about five miles from here. Okay. No, that's a little so, further than that. Um, so we didn't uh, have to go to Walmart. We, we could have gone already home. started uh, about 30 minutes ago. That's so, bullshit. Okay. So. <laughs> so we, um, well, we got some updates for you. We're going to have Dr. Jane on this evening from, uh, better diesel. And she's going to talk to us about the science behind the Pittsburgh power catalyst that we've been talking about for probably as long as we've been doing this podcast, we have personal experience with it. And we always get to see Dr. Jane whenever we're out at the truck show. And we thought it would be good for you guys to hear what she has to say, uh, to talk about the science. Why does the catalyst work? And so that's what we're going to talk about, uh, while we're, uh, waiting to bring her on, we've got some updates for you. Um, can I can I interrupt you for a second? Please go ahead. I've got something I want to get off my chest. I've been thinking about this all week, and I want to get this uh, I want to get this out and over with before we can bring Jane on. Okay. So <clears throat> last week, for those of you that were listening live, or those that may have have, have listened to it since then, we we had a troll last week, and um, uh, I am uh, first of all I want I wanted to apologize number one for the the my reaction to him. I I, I let him bait me. I shouldn't have. Um, but, uh, it is what it is. And, and I, um, I reacted in a way that, that is not typical of how I would react, but he said something that, that just got under my skin. And he said, here's the, here's the line he said, he said, uh, besides all the other things he said, by the way, but this was the one that, 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 that sealed the deal for me. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to use this as my defense. All right. He said that all you guys do is cram Dave Ramsey stuff down people's throat. And at first I was, I'm like, well, you know, screw you. Right. Except I didn't, I used a more colorful language. (laughs) And, uh, but I I thought, thought about that all week, you know, and it, for those of you that listen to Dave Ramsey or know anything about him, you, you know, I mean, when you hear Dave Ramsey, what, what's the first, what's the brand that comes to your mind? Get out of debt, stay out of debt. Don't go into debt. Cash is king. You, just because you can afford the payments doesn't mean you can afford it. Da, 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 da. So I'm thinking to myself, you know what? This guy's absolutely right. That's exactly what we do here is we cram Dave Ramsey's stuff down truck driver's throat because the industry ca- kind of pulls it out the other end when they do it wrong, you know? So I, 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 when we first started, the very first person that Chris and I hired, we now intimately could refer to him as Cupcake. But when after the 10 days he worked here and then brought his truck back because he couldn't do what we do, he called us lunatics. Y'all, a bunch of damn lunatics. And at first I thought, well, that's rich coming from you, you know. <laughs> and then I got thinking, I said, Chris, you know what we are? From this point forward, we're always going to be known from now on as lunatics. We, uh, we embraced it. We adopted it. Hell, it's everywhere, you know. I, I think that we've got another one of these moments. I think we're the lunatics that cram Dave Ramsey shit down people's throat. You know, I think that's who we are now. So I think that'll be our new logo. I think his name was 
truck god g-a-w-d oh, yeah. <laughs> i want to thank you for that sir uh, I don't think you can comment anymore because I think Chris blocked you. But I did. <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate your comments. I'm I'm sorry that I reacted the way I did. That's not typical for me, but uh, I'm glad you did what you did. So anyway, thank you very much. So Chris, I wanted I wanted to get that off my chest before we got. Well, started. you know the the thing about Dave Ramsey is it's it, it's common sense, which is like you know deodorant. The people that need it the most don't. <laughs> um, and I got I got thrown off a of TikTok live last night. Uh, for hateful behavior because I melted some snowflakes, apparently. Um, I told a bunch of truck drivers that if your business is failing right now, it's your fault. You can't blame the president. You can't blame Congress. You can't you, blame the brokers. You, you hard, cold-hearted sucker, uh, man. I know. I, you know, uh, I think what got me was there was a comment that I saw right before it went off. It said, you didn't have to attack us personally. And I think that's what probably triggered the algorithm, and it just and it just shut me off. So I'm I can't go live for seven days. So um, I'm in the doghouse. Um, but yeah. it's it's fun. Well, it's funny one because when I say that you can't blame the brokers for your business failing, the response is, "Well, this guy must be a broker." Yeah, yeah. And and it you know and it's so funny where there's so much drama in the in the, in the society right now about people being binary or non-binary, and uh, w- you know whatever trigger word you have for that. But y'all y'all are awful binary, you know. Y- y'all are awful. I'm I'm one of these, and you can't talk bad about me. Um, and I saw this one. Um, I need to research this more because mother trucker did a, a video. It's been about six months ago about this guy that says a Landstar, a guy posing as a Landstar agent scammed him out $80,000. And the rough spots of it were, um, he hauled a bunch of loads and then the factoring company came back and said, well, we didn't get paid. So we're taking all this money back. And so the factoring company now is, or then was confiscating all of his settlements to pay back this $80,000 that this scammy broker, whatever. But I can tell you from just my experience and the people that we've brought in, when I can't get people to do something as simple as scan a document, because at Landstar, it's super easy. If you scan the paperwork, they'll pay you on Wednesday. If you scan it by Monday, they'll pay you on Wednesday. there's There's no question about that. But you have to send them a legible document. You have to put a freight bill number on it. You have to scan it at the right time. But if you'll do very, very simple things, they'll write you a check. It's just, it's so simple. And I was thinking about that today, that with all of the hate and discontent right now in this market, because the rates have fallen because of supply and demand, here at Landstar and probably just about any carrier, we're so insulated, pampered um, f- from all of the drama going around in the spot market. Because if you're one of these unfortunate souls that in 2020, 21, 22, you decided to go buy yourself a truck and trailer and go get a set of numbers because I'm going to keep all the money. And the rates were so high that you could survive lots of stupid decisions, lots of risky behavior. You could get away with it. Now you can't. 
Now the margins are not there to make up for your stupidity because I'm living proof you cannot outwork stupidity, which is another Dave Ramsey line. Because what Dave teaches and what we teach is risk management. If you're not managing risk in a business, that business is going to fail. And so you've got all of these uh, mental giants in the trucking industry right now, and their whole, the whole house is burning down around them. And never once do I hear them say, well, this is my fault. No, 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 no. It was, oh, it's the brokers. These brokers are taking 65% of it. You know what's rich about this, Larry? There's this story going around, and I think old mother trucker did a video about this. There was a load coming out of Florida, and supposedly somebody has proof that a broker kept 65 or 75% of the rate coming out of Florida. Out of Florida. So, now, so what was it, a quarter? Now, listen, y'all, <laughs> there's four other people in this room. I have one of the most finely tuned bullshit detectors you, you'll ever see, okay? And I just, I got out the, <clears throat> the vaunted BSE 9000. Oh, no. Secret weapon. And I went, okay, well, I've never, even in the best, I saw $2.25 coming out of Orlando, and I thought I had struck gold, okay? But I had to get to $5, okay? Because in this scenario, the broker kept 65% of the rate, which meant the truck only got 35%. I'm thinking 35% of what? Right. So at the same time, you're telling me that if somebody hauls cheap freight, it's harming my business because I've got to, I've got to get the government to control everybody else because what everybody else's decisions are affecting me. So that means somebody willingly hauled a load for 35 cent a mile. Just doing math here. Somebody willingly hauled a load for 35 cent a mile, got proof of it, and nobody's talking about that. They're only talking about how supposedly the broker took 65 percent <clears throat> rate. It's nonsense. Nonsense. 100 percent didn't happen. I call bullshit on that all day long. The problem you get, though, and and old mother trucker guys real bad about this is he'll believe anything a truck driver tells him because all the headlines oh truck driver this and truck this happened to truck driver hey truck drivers and and it's like this cult they're like in this cult where their their identity comes through association their identity doesn't come from their individual ability their individual talent their individual uh, ability, it's, oh, I'm a truck driver, you know? Well, I've been trucking for 25 years. Let me promise y'all, there's a bunch of truck drivers I don't want to be associated with, okay? So this identity by association stuff is not horrible. It's nonsense. So anyway, bottom line here, and this is what got me kicked off TikTok, if your business is failing as I speak in April of 2023, it's your fault, period. It's not the broker's fault. It's not the president's fault. Hell, he don't even know where he's at. It's not Congress's fault, okay? It's your fault. Your business is failing because of decisions that you made. You made those decisions, and here you are in a market where you can't survive. This was a great week for Blue Ribbon. We were 18% above our revenue goal this week. In the worst trucking business, we're doing okay. And we're going to continue to do okay 
because we were doing great then. Now, obviously, we're not taking a wheelbarrow, falls, uh, wheelbarrow full of cash to the bank like we used to, but we're profitable in this market today. And if you're not, your fault. Don't go blaming me because I can haul freight for a lower rate than you can. Not my problem, Hoss. And release. Well, you took you, you you touched on a lot of things there, and I, I don't think we're going to need to take a lot of time tonight. To, to, I mean, we could talk all night about what you just said. Well, you want, one, something that dawned on me this week too, and all my thought about this dude and everything. I'm thinking, I'm rethinking everything. Okay, and you know, we all know, we all know the guy who really doesn't have the income to be driving a German luxury car, but yet he owns one. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's got a payment that's outrageous. You know, why do you think that he bought that car because he needs that car or it does something for him? Why do you think he bought it, Chris? Because it makes him look good in front to, of other people. To impress people he wouldn't and like. That he doesn't like anyway. I think, I think that that parallels to trucking. Why would you go spend $250,000 for a brand new truck? That doesn't do anything more than a truck that sells for fifty thousand dollars, and you come home with a seventeen hundred dollar week payment. I mean, is that something you need, or is that just some appearance that you want to pr- promote? Anyway, just something to think about this week, guys. So, anyway, we have a special guest tonight, guys. At the truck show a couple weeks ago, we spent the day in Pittsburgh Power's booth and. That's our sponsor, by the way, and we appreciate you guys uh, calling them up and letting them know that you appreciate them sponsoring uh, the podcast. Um, and, uh, of course, spend some money there, all right? We appreciate that. So we are stocking distributors of the OPS products and the Max Mileage Catalyst, which is what we're going to talk about tonight. I have to preface this. I'm going to tell a little story, Chris, before we do this. And okay. I know we didn't practice this. Uh-oh. You know, we have a rehearsal every time we do this, right? Hang on. <laughs> Buckle <laughs> up, folks. You believe that. You know, um, I, I'm one of the old CMC guys. If you don't know what that means, for, for years and years, well, not for, for about 10, 15 years, uh, Kevin Rutherford had a, a best practices kind of a seminar in Kansas City and then Council Bluffs later on. And there were 300, 350, 400, 500, you know, uh, owner-operators there that, you know, were, were because of the cost of going there and the lack and the, and the, and the forfeiture of revenue, it was a it was it required you to be pretty much on your game. So they were they were the one percenters that were there for the most part. But that turned into sort of a bunch of test pilots, if you will, you know, for these best practices. And one of the things that we always kind of turned our nose up at was fuel additives. Because there's not a damn one of them that we ever tested that did anything like what they said they were going to do. None. Zero. Okay. So then now, the CMC's been over with for a couple of years, okay? We haven't had one in a while. So, uh, which, by the way, Kevin, if you ever listen to this, you know, we need to start doing that again. We need to get the band back together, okay? <laughs> so, um, but, you know, I, Bruce Mallinson's on Sirius Radio ranting and raving about this fuel additive. And I'm thinking to myself, have I died and gone somewhere? Or is there something <laughs> yeah. that's, I mean, what has happened here? Has he got early onset of Alzheimer's or what the hell is going on. Bruce Mallinson is, is, is pushing. And, and, you know, and at the time he was kind of taking a little bit of a, of a, of a ribbon about it because pe- people would call in, 
they would say, "Hey, could this uh, does this catalyst will it cure AIDS or you know will it will it cure have cancer?" You tried our, have you tried our max mileage catalyst? <laughs> because I don't care what your truck was doing, that would fix it. All right. So Bruce talked a lot of crap about that. Well, I went to the truck show and I met uh, this delightful lady, and we now call her Dr. Jane. And she's the person who, who came up with this, with this product. And I, listen, I'm going to tell you, you know, now I'm, I'm, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. Okay. And I'm talking to Jane and now, now look, she's, she's highly educated and then knows her shit. Okay. And I'm sitting there and my eyes start to glass over, you know, cause I'm, you know, she's talking about things that I can't conceive. Okay. So I get, I get, they have those high back canvas chairs in Pittsburgh's Powers booth. So I said, well, Jane, hang on a second. I went and got one of those and pulled it up. I sat there. And then somebody else sat over here next to me. And we just sat there. And we, I think she talked for over an hour, you know, about this product. And I left there. I'm going, dang, if that works, it's phenomenal. So anyway, with that being said, I'd like to bring on uh, Dr. Jane, who is the creator, inventor, or whatever of all things good that has to do with the the Max Mileage Fuelborne Catalyst. Welcome, Jane, to the program. Thank you for being here. And uh, why don't you just start telling your story, and we'll just sit back and listen, okay? Well, hey there, Larry. Thank you so much. Enjoyed being on, seeing you again, and this opportunity. Thank you so much for the lovely introduction. Um, yeah, I, you are a master storyteller. I don't know how I'm going to top that, but I um, I guess you know. Well, I have a little help here, Jane. Okay, I have a little help here. Help the storytelling gets better as the night goes on. Okay, so welcome, board. Thank you so very very much. Well, it sounds like this guy, uh, Mr. Ramsey, is listening to um, over the eleven years it took for me to get this business off the ground. Um, but uh, I was thinking back, and really, I was introduced to. The raw active ingredient, uh, the active catalyst chemistry in 2007. And uh, 2018 was what I would call no turning back turnaround year in which, you know, we clearly were uh, more than a sustainable business and we were, the growth was starting. We're reaching people that we really wanted to and needed to reach as end users users and getting great feedback uh, and you know like my uh, research advisor back in grad school said hey, you know after it's over after you get that degree cares about all the blood sweat and tears that you went through to achieve you know? they just want the right. results sure. and you've got you that thing in hand you've achieved it and you move on um and right, so right. i sort of worry anybody with the, the goals, but um, yeah, but since you specifically asked a little more, um, what I like to tell people when they tell me I'm the inventor was I formulated this particular proprietary, if you will, uh, of the liquid version of a fuel additive that has the catalyst in the, the catalyst active ingredient in it. Um, and it's important to know that Fuelborne catalysts um, are not broadly used. Where people think it might, might be a new kind of kid on the block, a new invention. 
but I, I really I play the blame the um, the lack of dissemination of knowledge about fuel-borne catalysts on the OEM truck engine manufacturers who developed the DPF systems because they had to produce those criteria pollutants, and they engineered their way, you know, in meeting the regulations with those highly um, complicated systems that cost an arm and a leg. And they regarded them, the, those systems as being flawless in, in, um, in 2002, 2007, 2008. I remember being at my local transportation club meeting in Minneapolis, and uh, I was talking to the group of people in my round table at, up to, and, and afterward, one of them who happened to work for a heavy-duty engine equipment and truck uh, dealership, to me, you know what the the emissions now. I could go up to a running engine and breathe the, at the end of the uh, tailpipe, and and um, tailpipe, what I'm told yeah. is that the air coming pipe is cleaner than the air going into it. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I didn't want to. I heard you guys say earlier about who Chris has the gas meter, but I didn't, I didn't want to offend him either, but. <laughs> Um, he ended up right. saying, now, why don't you just take that product you're talking about and leave the club and don't come? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but uh, obviously I didn't <laughs> take his advice and <laughs> I'm glad I didn't. So, But we all know, yeah. you know, back to the story of the development of these things, um, we it, it, it was crystal clear to me as early as 2007 that um, diesel particulate filters really needed the help of a fuel catalyst to keep them from clogging up. And I wasn't the first person to realize that. Um, Bureau of Mines had developed uh, diesel particulate filters for underground mining diesel equipment uh, long before it ever became an issue in Europe and followed by the United States. Um, and they lo and behold, found that those filters were clogging up with soot, and, and that was acceptable maintenance and downtime. Yeah, they were achieving their goal of protecting underground miners' health, but they were paying a huge cost for it. So um, the catalyst was part and parcel of development for the underground mining industry way back in the 70s and the 80s. The ingredient, um, that we used was one of a number of metal uh, catalysts, metal-based chemistry. So your metal, different either um, metal oxides or mixed metals or um, organometallic complexes. So a number of of these uh, catalysts were evaluated industry um, in private um, research in national research labs, in universities, lots and lots of public money went into studying these things. And the one that uh, is now ex has been accepted by the USPA and is approved for you um, on-road diesel, one that of course is the one that we have. And uh, what's special about my product is that I formulated it with several other ingredients as a liquid to bring out the best um, performance of the catalyst chemistry possible with with the least amount of uh, 
undesirable side effects, if you will. And, and um, six years into it, we think we've done a really good job based on customer feedback and overall customer satisfaction on ongoing inspection of engines that are uh, taken apart and, and uh, looked at that have been smallest and likes to say the uh, of the catalyst um, and and uh, you know, good news which is great for truck engine owners um, who you know take any more risks than they already have so they can they can enjoy the upsides of this chemistry with our fuel borne catalyst um, proprietary formula called max mileage if you buy it from Pittsburgh power it's called better diesel fuel borne catalyst if you buy it directly from uh, my company the um but yeah i mean that the story is you know it just took 11 years of perseverance to get where i am and um in 2018 or shortly before i became um introduced to my partners in california britain annie beal who uh had a complementary business in DPF servicing retrofits and DPF cleaning in San Diego. And um, we then formed the, the, the corporation. Uh, we became incorporated as Better Diesel FBC. And then uh, we took our show on the road and I was doing, I was doing trade shows. I did Mid-America for the third time in a row, I believe, the that I met uh, Bruce, who was uh, exhibiting Pittsburgh Power just a couple of uh, and of course, I knew about Bruce. I knew about his reputation. All of all of my trucker customers had told me about him, and and there he was. And so um, I made a point to introduce myself. And then, lo and behold, a little while later, he um, and had some more questions. And so we chatted. And um, over the course of that three days, I I found out a little bit more about what his operation. And I found out. Most most importantly, that he had some very, very specialized engine test equipment that can reliably and accurately measure fuel consumption. So I was like, oh, this is special. And um, once I, he says, well, even I don't know much about it. He talked to my engineer who's in charge of the, the rolling dynamometer and the emissions testing equipment. He's right over here. And he introduced me to um, the test engineer at the time, John Walco, and I, and you know, it was, it wasn't just a red herring. It really was what I initially thought it was. It was the exact kind of dynamo. There are only maybe two in the whole country that can test uh, a diesel engine and measure how much fuel it's measure it's using uh, before as a baseline. And then we re we remeasure again, of course, after it's been on a diet of the fuel-borne catalyst for a little while. And then you look at the difference. It's very, very straightforward. So um, so when I asked him uh, back to Bruce and I said, yeah, I'm really excited about this test rig that you guys have. And I'm, I'm interested to know how much uh, it would cost if we wanted to run our form um, on the truck there. And he goes, you could you could hear him hesitate a little. He stopped. He, I think he made a adjustment for the price he was about to quote. <laughs> and when he told me, what it was, <laughs> and uh, and when he told me what it was going to cost me, uh, I said to him, 
and he remembered this better than I did later. He said, uh, he said, you know what your answer was? And I said, what? He goes, he said, that's not bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> and um, it's a very, very reasonable price. So we, we jumped on it. Two weeks later, we Bruce could have cared less. He was in his office doing what Bruce does, which is answer phone calls and messages, help the guys on the road need help. And, and uh, you know, we saw him for two minutes at the beginning and the end of three very long days. And, uh, but he left it to his test engineers. And then we were back, the, the test engine, the test truck had been driven uh, over the road with the same, with the catalyst. And then we brought it back to retest it a couple of, some weeks later. And the same story, I and mean, Bruce wasn't even involved in the testing, not in the least. And um, so after the, the second pass results, the, the so-called treated or benchmark test came in. Um, Britt and Annie and I are in the in the, the so-called dino room. And we're just kind of like waiting around wondering what's going to happen next. And um, Pete Sharp, the VP, comes in. He's looking like he's got something on his mind, right? And uh, so the first thing, so we just sat there and waited for what he had to say. And so the first thing out of Pete's mouth was, Chain. Let me ask you something. Have you ever run tests on your product before? And I said, well, yeah. And, and he goes, well, okay. So this isn't the first time you've done this, right? And I said, that's right. This is not the first time. There have been a few other tests. And he goes, well, kind of tell me, what sort of results were you expecting to see? And um, I said, well, what we normally see is around 10% reduced fuel consumption under these conditions of fixed load and horsepower. And the error, uh, the margin of error is about 2%. So, you know, the range you might expect something to come in would be anywhere from 8% to 12% less fuel consumed for the same amount of work performed. And he goes, well, I'm so glad to hear that because um, we have never seen anything like this before and we've tested lots and lots of products never seen anything like this we've seen some come back worse than they started with absolutely with the test device which is why we were so surprised you know that uh, <laughs> you know that <laughs> it's like wait, wait a minute you know i know bruce you know uh and i'm like oh, no, no, a fuel a fuel additive come on now you know you might as well have been selling, you know, marbles, you know, I mean, it was, it was just, anyway, go ahead with you. Well, can I interrupt you for just a second? Let me, let me, uh, we got a couple yeah, of people absolutely. who asked questions. So, so to, to, to establish what it is that, that the product actually is, can you explain what exactly what a fuel, uh, what a catalyst is and what it does? What exactly is a fuel born catalyst? <clears throat> oh, sure. 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 Now, sure. now you got, I hope listen, I get Jane, this right. you got a bunch. Jane, you got a bunch of truck drivers here, okay? So keep keep that in mind, okay? So put the cookies on the shelf where everybody can reach them. <laughs> <laughs> just mess, just just kidding with you, Jane. No, so a catalyst doesn't actually participate in the chemical reaction, and of course, the chemical reaction we're talking about here is the combustion reaction. So mm -hmm. you start out with hydrocarbon molecules the fuel, the diesel, whatever, gasoline, kerosene, doesn't matter. Uh, 
you combine them with out of the air and, and, you know, you stuff that into, you, you compact it with the turbo and all that. And so you've got an excess, you've got an excess air in the combustion chamber when they do the, when the piston goes up and compression ignite fuel air mix. Right. Right. Now, catalyst if in the presence of the catalyst, that reaction goes a lot faster, um, takes less internal to push it over the hump to get those atoms to rearrange so they want on the other side of the chemical reaction. And that's or the other side of that chemical hump. The other side, you get, when you burn something, you get heat, right? It's pretty straightforward. Um, you want lots of heat in an internal combustion or reciprocating engine, in an internal combustion engine. You want as much heat out of that chemical makeup of the fuel air mix as you can possibly extract. And you want to extract it fast. So the cat does that for you. And um, so, but the cool thing is, uh, you catalyst itself is unchanged. It basically gets recycled every time, every time, you know, you know it just doesn't participate. It doesn't come out as a different thing on the other other side. So you get heat uh, as a combustion. You also get water and you get carbon monoxide. If the if the oxidation, the burning of the fuel goes to 100% completion, you get three, three things. You get water, carbon dioxide, which we all know is a greenhouse gas, and, and um, heat. So Without the catalyst, that reaction does not go to completion within the time frame of the piston stroke. And, and um, therefore, you leave a lot of unburned hydrocarbon fuel behind, or it's transformed into something really partial. And those, those are, those are, un, those are not, bad for the environment, they're bad for people, um, they're toxic in many cases. So, so what are those unwanted, incomplete? Complete byproducts of combustion that you get without the catalyst are carbon monoxide, CO, which is um, poisonous, toxic, toxin. It's poisonous, so kill people can die of carbon monoxide poisoning. Sure. You get unburned, a partial. You get hard vapor, partially burned hydrocarbon vapor, and that's been partially transformed into a very unsafe chemical compound, or also carcinogenic. So you know. Diesel, unburned diesel vapor is just bad news. You get the particulate matter, which is the, the soot particles and smoke. Uh, we can talk about that more. And you get um, NOx, NO and NO2. So, NOx, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Nitrous oxide. So, uh, uh, well, yeah, NOx is, a, is the short term, shorthand for those two. two um, Compounds in and you nitrous and nitrous nitrous and nitrous. Well, you got it, Larry. They're called <laughs> nitrous, nitrous oxide. Yeah. So one going back to my back, going back many many years to my chemistry class. Okay, I remember mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. and now you said it, the catalyst doesn't really participate in the 
reaction, it affects the reaction. Am, am I remembering my chemistry teacher correctly here? Yeah, it, 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 has, is, it, it changes what the reaction would have been if it were not present. You hit on that is the classical definition of a catalyst. It it okay. lowers um, the it helps the cat. It just makes any reaction go faster to greater completion. Right. But it's right. but it's not it's not among the um, atoms and molecules that rearranged as part of the reaction. So it's unchanged essentially throughout. So, so um, after this combustion no. takes place, we've got, we've got fuel, we've got air mixture. Now we have compression and we have an explosion. Right. Um, and, and right. we have energy that's produced with, with, which comes with heat and all the other things you talked about. What, what happens to the catalyst? I mean, does, does it just, does it dissipate or I mean, what happens after the explosion happens with the catalyst? Mm -hmm. Well, <sighs> Let's talk about the fuel born. So this thing has to be soluble in fuel, right? Okay. And and so it's it's mixed in with the fuel, and that's a type of right. catalyst, a heterogeneous catalyst, right? I think. Okay. Not hom hom homogeneous. I don't think I don't you know. can use that word. I don't think you can use that word correctly, politically correct, right now. But I we'll know. go ahead and accept it. <laughs> well, the easy way to remember I'm, it is. I'm, I'm, is, ho I'm so horrible. You, no, you know, I, I, I'm I, you're, you're taking us whenever we open our mouths these days. It's, it's uh, just that's the way it is. That's why I should not have mine <laughs> open very much. Huh? <laughs> I'm but sorry. I'm, I'm interrupting you. Please go ahead. Ways that, <laughs> that's okay. There are uh, two ways a catalyst can present themselves in the chemistry world. and One is as a coating. It's, it's just catalyst. It's not going anywhere. It's just sitting there on top of something, you know, substrate. And and, and how that relates to the diesel trucking, your diesel oxidative um, filter has a stationary catalyst. Your diesel Correct. particulate filter has a stationary catalyst. Now, um, well, where even is people the not in trucking would recognize people not in trucking would recognize the word catalytic converter. That would be an example of your um coded um use of the of the catalyst correct right that's basically a diesel oxidative catalyst for gasoline engines uh, right. the catalytic okay. converter is essentially the same thing so what they're doing is oxidizing those unburned or incomplete products of combustion to lower levels so that you're within a, the regulations by the epa for air pollutants, the so-called criteria right. emissions. Um, and um, yeah, so whereas a, a homogenous catalyst, I think that's what the fuel-borne catalyst is, blended in with the fuel, so it's getting, making contact. This, this is really, really important. It's making contact with the fuels. And when it goes, when you do that combustion after that explosion and release of energy in the form of hot expanding gases that moves the piston, what's going on now? Um, well, one, uh, that minute amount of the organometallic catalyst, it, it, it's going to get oxidized too. Uh, it's still active as a catalyst, but it's going to basically go through your exhaust system 
and um, as, an, as a tiny bit of uh, metal oxide. Okay? okay. But going into the fuel, it's, it's liquid. It's a different, yeah. So it's right. it's an organometallic. Right. That's right. A lot of people get hung up on that. Not a big deal. Um, so we had another so, question. So that's okay. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'll I'll, I'll wait. Go ahead. I, mean, well, I apologize for the delay, back. you guys. We we have a little bit of a delay here because <laughs> she's on a satellite. So I apologize for that. <clears throat> I do want to come back around the second thing that catalyst does. Well, the first First thing is, you know, it, it accelerates the combustion reaction. A diesel engine, much greater thermal efficiency on the average of, about, again, about 10% uh, higher thermal efficiency. So you're at 40%, you're now at 50% thermal efficiency. It's huge. Um, trucks of the future, light trucks of the future, to attain 55% coming out of the factory. 55% efficiency coming out of the factory. We're not efficiency. there yet. Yeah, so right. diesel. So, um, so just think about that packet of fuel air mix. So much, so, so contains so many calories, mm-hmm. and when you burn it, uh, how many calories are going to move the truck down the road? Forty percent right. is the answer on average. Okay. So does that does that kind of comport with your knowledge base? I I, I have no knowledge I mean, about that, so I can't heard. argue that at all. So. Forty percent. I'm going to have to accept that. So, right. So, you know, if the if the OEMs could give you ten percent more thermal efficiency, they would. But, but they're just mechanical limitations and, and inherent to the reciprocating engine design. And and so, um, if they can get to fifty five on a light duty truck, hooray! That's great. But then you put something in the fuel, this fuel borne catalyst, and you get an extra ten just by adding one ounce for every 25 gallons of diesel to your fuel tank. Right. Wow. It's pretty darn, it's a, a great deal. So, um, so what I wanted to go move on to is soot. I mean, this is so important because, you know, the diesel particular giving everybody such a problem for the first 10 years, uh, 2007 to 2017, but, and beyond, um, they've, they've solved to getting, to better, um, the OEMs are working out the bugs. But in the meantime, it's just really um, owner operators have paid a huge penalty uh, for yeah. having something that was engineered in a way that you know, was good enough test bed or the test cell, the emissions test cell, but it was degraded. Um, dramatically, mm-hmm. because you know, the gen process is not 100% efficient. It doesn't remove all of the carbon-based soot. That um, So that brings me to the next really, really important point. And, uh, you know, so not only is the fuel catalyst mixing, blending homo- in a homogeneous sort of way with the fuel, it's also blending in a homogeneous way with the uh, the soot is left because you're cleaning up a lot of the soot when you burn it with the catalyst, 60 or so it goes away. But you still have it out soot, right? So even though it's dramatically reduced with the help of the catalyst, that DPF is still sitting there collecting whatever soot is uh, remaining and it slowly, you know, is going to build up. So it's, it's been 
proven scientifically, but I'm just going to say in sense terms, it makes total sense. If you've got the, now you've got the residual catalyst uniformly distributed in the soot that's coming out of the engine and going into PF and other parts of the exhaust, that too is going to um, aid the effect of the catalyst in contact with the solid soot particles in them at a much lower temperature in the exhaust. So how much lower? About 300 degrees Fahrenheit lower. Uh, so your soot is normally going to ignite once exhaust gas temperature is 950 or 1000 degrees Fahrenheit. That's pretty darn hot. So for this part, it does, the engines don't get hot enough to burn it off. And it just builds up, right. and that otherwise you wouldn't you wouldn't have to clean your DPF for soot ever. But if you can use the catalyst, that takes care of the soot. It lowers that burn-off temperature by about 300 degrees, well below what you can achieve in a over-the-road driving situation at 65 miles per hour to achieve a continuous passive regeneration of the DPF filters so that they essentially stay clean with respect to soot. Uh, it's a great deal. People love it. So, <laughs> I hope. Yeah, so, so to summarize, I'm going to bring it down to truck driver level. Uh, it, it improves yeah. the combustion process. It, it, it makes the combustion more complete. And then it also rides with the soot to, to lower the temperature in the filtration, the after-treatment um, uh, system, and lowers the amount of soot that's retained in that after filtration system. Would those be correct, dumbed down versions of what you just said? Well, that's it exactly. I mean, you, that's, that's it exactly, yeah. So you, you get 60 to 70% less engine out soot with the help of the improved thermal efficiency, cleaner okay. combustion over to clog <clears throat> your DPF filter. Yeah. All right. So let's take and a, then you get the ongoing. Okay. Right. Questions. Yes. So let let's take a couple more questions. One one person says it, there's, if you only put one ounce per twenty five gallons, how I mean it, it, that seems like such a small dilution in a, you know a two hundred fifty gallon tank or whatever. I mean how how does it how does it work with you only use so little of it? And on the opposite side of that, somebody asked, what happens if you use way too much? Is there, a, is there a negative side effect if you put a gallon in 100 gallons? <clears throat> yes, all good questions. And those are answered, I think, maybe, maybe not, uh, betterdiesel.com or pittsburghpower.com. Okay. Well, okay. Remember, the catalyst is not being consumed. So you don't need much of it for it to do its job. And it's, it's accelerating the oxidation reaction, and that's what's going on anyway. It, I mean, that's what mm -hmm. combustion is. So um, how exactly from a molecular point of view working, that is, we, people have been studying how, how catalysts work for decades, theories, but it's, it gets wave, wave theory, quantum mechanics. It's really above my head, and and it's. I just leave that to the to those types of chemists and physicists who devote their lives to writing academic papers on, on that stuff. I, I can certainly you know, I, when I, you I, start I, using the word molecular, 
you know, uh, yeah. I, th- again, that's when my eyes start glazing over and that kind of stuff. So, um, <laughs> let's, <Right. laughs> another, another question but, we had was if you use, if using the catalyst, does it actually help clean the diesel particulate filter or do you have to clean it and then use the catalyst to keep it clean? <clears throat> Oh, another great question. I just tell people whether you've been on your trucks uh, at 100,000 miles, you've had it two weeks, or you've had it for close to a million, just start using it. Yeah, I mean, if you're close to a shop that can uh, first do a DPF clean and you need one because it's been a quarter of a million miles or so, absolutely. Uh, Take it in, spend or whatever it is to, to do a clean, and then start fueling um adding fuel the one ounce per 25 of max mileage um, that's fine too either way but it takes about for an insert engine here's the thing if you don't do a pre-clean it takes a month to two or maybe three gallons of the product before you really get down to the bare metal again before you burned off all of that accumulated okay. soot all that accumulated carbon in the in the engine, the EGR, the valves, the rings, the exhaust manifold, the DPF, all that stuff gets cleaned up. Basically, everything from the, uh, you know, the, uh, what would you call it? The entrance to the From the DRC? turbo to the tailpipe. Yes. From the yes. turbo to the tailpipe. <clears throat> yeah. But uh, what? Because... Well, from the chamber to the tailpipe, from from the piston cylinder to the tailpipe. How's that? Right, right. Uh, that's, okay. mm-hmm. oh, so, so to, again, to restate, if you've got more than a quarter million miles on your truck, it's advisable to get your DPF your, your, uh, cleaned prior to using the catalyst. Uh, or just start using it, and in two or three months, um, it should it should clean it back up again. Uh, so if you're using the catalyst, let's just project a, a, a forward a little bit. Let's say I've been, let's say I've, I've, I've used the catalyst now and I've added another 250,000 miles to my odometer. Do I still need to consider doing the diesel force cleaning to clean it up again for the next quarter million miles? Is that the recommended maintenance? Not the diesel force cleaning, but at that point you're more concerned about ash buildup because remember the, the inorganic residue that builds up in the DPF is not combustible and it, it still right. has to be cleaned out eventually. Now, now the, the relative amount of, of inorganics compared to a very, very large amount of carbonation soot, um, it takes a long time for it to accumulate to a point where it starts to feed the exhaust flow of a DPF. But you still need to get those removed every five hundred thousand miles or so. Okay. Um, and and so that's perfect if you if you you start where you are, catalyst for two hundred fifty thousand miles, then you EPF cleaned. You're going to be removing that residual ash, which probably definitely needs to happen um, at about five hundred thousand miles anyway. So it's and it's a much easier clean because you're not dealing with Dealing with the sticky black carbon wood uh, that coats everything. Right. Um, you're just right. dealing with relative amounts of of metal oxides like 
you know, engine oil residue, calcium, magnesium, and zinc. You get oxides from uh, metal contamination. You get a little bit of residual metal from the catalyst itself. I mean, I mean, talking about really, really small amounts, but depending on how, where you're driving and all that stuff, you could also be picking up silicon from dust and dirt. Um, and the, and those, those accumulate in the DPF as well. Everybody should, you know, probably be aware of that. Can we take a couple more questions? Um, so I saw a question, yeah. So um, this is from um, Christopher Robin. I used to get fault codes for SCR, selective catalytic um, regeneration, NOx conversion efficiency, low all the time, and I started using max mileage fuel catalyst, and I have had any emission-related fault codes since. Is that kind of a, a, a common theme that you see from customers? It is. It is. I, I, an educated guess of what's happening is that before using the catalyst, the NOx sensors are getting coded and they start to throw bad readings to the ECM. Mm -hmm. And the ECM detects that those readings are out of range, gives you a low conversion efficiency or some other type of fault code. You start using the right. catalyst and then soot burning um, carbon cleaning effect takes place. They, it restores the function of the sensor, the NOx sensor, and uh, the code right. goes away. So, right. Yeah. Um, and this is a, a question that I have, too, because I, 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 I see this phenomenon, but I can't explain it to anybody. Why do people that use the catalyst show higher levels of iron in their oil samples as opposed to those who don't use it? Yes, that's an important thing to be ready for, because it is an iron-based orthotelic catalyst active ingredient. So for every molecule of the catalyst, there's one atom of iron nested in it. Organometallic just means it has a metal core, one atom, mm -hmm. and it's surrounded by a, a, an organic uh, molecular matrix, carbon, hydrogen, oxygen. And um, that gets... So with engine blow combustion chamber, a little bit of it's going to get into the engine oil. Right. And so that's right. what you're seeing. Okay. So, so you're so, actually adding iron molecules. Yeah, you're adding iron molecules to yeah. the engine oil through, through the blow-by. And the engine oil is kind of the same thing as a DPF filter. It's just accumulating contaminants in between each drain, right? especially with people who do extended drains. You know, we're a big proponent of the OPS and we, you know, we promote the, the, the advantage of it is not to throw good oil away. So you're extending the drains. Well, that just magnifies the fact that now you have these, these parts per million of iron that are showing up because you're adding iron to it and it's accumulating to do that through that extended drain. Yes. So, so normally uh, that was one of Bruce's big concerns when we started talking about this. He said, well, I've been preaching to people all, all these years that be concerned right. if the iron in their oil analysis samples exceeds 20 parts per million. Right. And now with the catalyst, it can be twice that. Yeah, we're um, seeing it. Yeah. But there was yeah. someone at the show, yeah, that can be twice that. But if right. 100 or 140, that's not normal. That means something else going on. Because yeah. Or... Yeah. Corrosion that's 
breaking down iron in the engine. So, uh, yeah, that's that should be a concern. Bruce used to sell a product now, and I asked him about it at the truck show, and he said it, it got so expensive it couldn't, it just couldn't sell anymore. But he had these two very, very, very high-powered magnets that that would go around the oil filter, and it, when you put them together, it made a perfect circle, and it would it would add, it would attach to the oil filter. And of course, the idea was the mag the magnets would attract the iron molecules and trap them in the oil filter to keep them out of the oil. So, um, and I asked him about that. The truck and goes, man, they raised the price on those, so how we can't sell them. But I guess, I guess theoretically that would work. I mean, iron is attracted to, to magnets and it would, uh, uh, unsuspend them and, 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 and stick to the surface of that filter, I suppose. So. How many years did you t I tell you I've been in here? This business? <laughs> I've been 2007. <laughs> Show me the data. Right. You know, show me the data. Right, I've right, never right, seen any right. data. <laughs> well, uh, there, you, there you go. So, <clears throat> all right, we got some more here. Um, does the fuel catalyst, does the fuel catalyst be confined to semis, or can I put it in my 2012 VW Jetta TDI? Well, I don't know oh, the answer yes. to this, but I'm gonna let you answer it. So, oh, please do diesel engine passengers, your BMWs, your Mercedes, Benzes, your TDI Jettas, uh, VWs. Got a great TDI story. Um, close friend of mine has a 2006, maybe something like that. Anyway, it was, you know, the old the car that his kids were allowed to drive. And so it's, this car's the stories are could tell, right? But uh, he still drives it. It's his commuter car. It looks like hell. You could bro you could grow potato floor. It's so dirty, beaten up. Yeah. Anyway, um, for for about a year, he's been using the catalyst. His last, last tank, he got miles per gallon. Now, when he started using it, about thirty six, maybe um, you know thirty eight. He had lost efficiency. He had lost a lot of efficiency, mostly from carbon buildup, and mostly because of carbon buildup in the exhaust gas um, circulating valve, the EGR. I've seen I've known two or three Jetta TDI owners who uh, have taken these things apart, and you just have to take a blow torch and burn off the carbon or chip it off. It's recalcitrant. The first one said, oh... There's no other way to get this stuff off. And I said, well, what is? And so, I mean, it takes time. If, you're, if your TDI is that bad, then this one had, well, so probably had 10, 10 plus years. Well, wait, three, 13 years worth of carbon buildup on it. So, but it's taken about a year to completely get it clean. Yeah, you get all the same benefits. You totally get all the same benefits in any, <clears throat> any diesel so, Dr. Jane, does the catalyst work more efficiently with one type of engine versus another, i.e. DD15 versus MX13? Um, that's one's a Freightliner, one's a uh, MX13, maybe a PACR. So, um, do you have, I mean, does your data support that one engine over another likes it better or doesn't like it better? Or <clears throat> That's, you know, there, that question's... Uh, 
other considerations are uh, problematic the engine is to start with, the more improvement you'll get. That's my, the rule of thumb. Yeah. So, so um, the ISX Cummins 15 pretty exhaust system. I mean, they just they just, just get so much better. Um, the early Packards that came out pretty perfect to their emission systems and, and overall mm -hmm. um, operability. And those run so much better. Um, my earliest experience was on Caterpillar C13s and C15s that people didn't want to give up because they would have to trade them in for an emissions right, uh, right. engine. And they're getting close to retirement. They just want to get another year to three out of the engine they know and love the stuff in their caterpillars and it's just like wow. and they gain one one mile per gallon um on average uh with, with an engine that was still in good shape that's pre-emissions right um the the classic example is the engine the mx uh, uh the max the max force do you remember max that force, yeah, the max yeah, yeah. which, which oh, no, yeah. you know it was yeah. just a horror story right um mm -hmm. And so over the years, I've had a, a number of customers who were ready to set them up and set them on fire and walk away because they were having to do so such so frequent parked regions uh, and it just doesn't right. work. So, but it, they run beautifully with the catalyst. Their emissions issues just basically go away, or they are, they're regening instead of once every day, once a week, that kind of thing. You know, much much improved. So, um, uh, three quarters of a million. So, should I get it? I think so. I would get a diesel force core using <laughs> at three so. at three seventy. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, money I, well spent. I don't think you'd be wasting. Well I don't think you'd be wasting your money when you did that. So, uh, let's look at this one. Uh, as the price of really newer, <laughs> as the price of newer Freightliner trucks come down to lower levels. Will this catalyst allow those trucks to become viable? Oh, well, you don't even know what a lunatic truck is. I'll explain this a little bit. So we advocate okay. using pre-emission trucks okay. for, for this very reason, okay? We, you know, we, our market are, is the first-time owner-operator buying his first truck. So we're all about minimizing risk. That's mm -hmm. where the Dave Ramsey thing comes in. And so to minimize risk, we, we recommend 07 and older trucks you know, because they're pre-DPF. It allows us to make modifications to them for fuel mileage, and it, it, it lowers the maintenance cost because we don't have to deal with after treatment. You know, EGR is all we got to deal with, okay? And so um, that's what we call a lunatic truck. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, modifications done to it for fuel mileage and this, that, and the other. Well, as, as obviously, we can't continue to buy 07 and older trucks because there's less and less of them every year, and most of them are going south of the border. So we're looking at having to come up with what we're calling the lunatic version mm -hmm. 2.0, which would be a 2016 or 17 and later after that 10 year period that you spoke of where the engineering just wasn't there. And then getting it reliable th through both the diesel force cleaning and, and, and the use of the catalyst so that we eliminate the, the diesel, I mean, the after treatment, uh, as part of the risk management. So that's what this question is about. So it's probably directed to us more than to you. But, but that's our kind of, that's our project right now is how do we come up with 
the Lunatic 2.0. Another part of this, Jane, is that we 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 teach personal finance and that sort of thing. So we don't allow people to go pay for a truck with credit. So one of the things that's kept us from doing this is the price of these trucks are just too high. You know, you just can't save enough money in a couple of years to go pay cash for that truck like you can in 2007. Well, now, especially with what's going on in the market right now, these trucks are coming down in price. And now this 2016, 2017 gets to be under thirty or $40,000. It puts it in the market where you know our guys could then go out and pay cash for it. So uh, I'll, 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 I'll take that question off your, off your table for you, okay? So, no, um, I agree with your strategy a hundred percent. Yeah. I agree with that strategy a hundred percent. Yeah. Cause it, you, the catalyst is going to definitely keep the, uh, maintenance costs. And then the emissions is a, a sure. third of it. It's, it's a easily a third of it. So if you're paying 30 cents <laughs> a month maintenance and a third of that's the emissions system on a 2617 and the catalyst right. is going to, save you to 10 cent right off the bat i'm sure you know this but a okay. company called dpf alternatives you know we we use them to clean egr systems and clean you know some of these in in these pre well they're not pre-emission people think egr is pre-emission it's not it's emission it just doesn't have extra treatment but the the, right. the the company that does that the dpf they they warranty their work for a life of the truck if you run the catalyst did you know that Mm-hmm. Okay, so that. that's pretty. That's a oh. yeah. Did you know that? What or your audience? You, mm-hmm. you, Jane. Were you aware that that they warranted their oh. work for for EGR cleaning for the life of the truck? Oh yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah, we okay. started talking to DPF. Most my partner Britt actually kind of connected them to with Pittsburgh Power because he was already in the DPF business. Right. He knew about right. DPF. He knew he knew the yeah. owner, Junior, who got it started. Mm-hmm. Did I say his right name his last name correctly? I think so. Um, Ray is, yes. I so think it's my correct. partner So my partner Britt Beal kind of worked behind the scenes to uh, get Junior talking to Bruce, uh, um, and and then we're, you know, <clears throat> yeah. So and then they, and they came up with this idea of the, of the guarantee on their own, and it's brilliant. It really is. It's uh, yeah. You explained well, I it think better it than speaks I. speaks highly of the product. If well, not necessarily. Let's go to another question, and we're probably going to wind it down here, guys. So I'm running the 3406E. Obviously, it's a cat with a. It's a pre-emissions cat. With a freshly rebuilt motor, how does this relate to me? <clears throat> what is the horsepower of the? Uh, I don't know. What, Chris, do you have any idea what, what 346 would be? 346 uh, is electronic. Four and a quarter. Uh, I think that's the one they call the four and a quarter cat, but you could probably get it up to five, 550. It's the, it's the electronic version of the cat pre-emission is what it is, so. And is he, how is he using it? What's the application? I'm sure over the over road the trucking, road. I'm sure that that's our audience. So, yeah, I'm sure it is. <clears throat> he doesn't well, say, well, but to I restate what assumption I, from our audience. Sure. To, to restate what I said earlier, um, have a lot of cat in, um, 
those old cat engine owner operators as customers and really get in trouble for other maintenance problems than than anything related to uh, um, well, they, you know, the, the, all kinds of things start to go wrong. So yeah, and it, you know, if you, again, if you I, like I, it, yeah. Oh, they love them. But people that have them love see, them. Okay, so yeah. Here's the deal. Here's the deal that's really important with any engine, but especially the emissions engine. Um, you're you're just sort getting into the engine oil, and um, mm-hmm. you get metal metal wear of parts in the crankcase. So if you want to keep that engine alive, what do you do? You remove the soot. Well, what is the catalyst? It removes the soot, basically. Your, right. your engine right. oil stays much, much, much cleaner. And if you use an um, oil bypass filtration on it with analysis for extended oil doubles, so much the better. But it's just a really good, practical, uh, cost-effective way to keep an old engine running with minimize by minimizing the engine wear for as long as possible. Sure. And, sure. and as I mentioned earlier, these cats they're they're fuel hawks, and so the efficiency improvements <laughs> translate to a one mile per gallon increase in your fuel economy. So okay. over the road, it's a well, great deal. Well, Jane, we we've, we've taken up a, a better part of your Friday evening, and we thank you for that. And uh, uh, guys, if you, uh, Jane, do you have any type of website or any, is there any place they can go to for further information? Oh, yes. It's so easy. Just betterdiesel.com. 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 Okay. Yeah, well, Jane, again, thank you so much. Um, I look forward to seeing you again next year at the truck show. And, uh, and uh, I can't thank you enough for taking You're your welcome. evening to share with us. So we appreciate it very much. So thank you. Thank you very, very much. Oh, you're so welcome. My pleasure. My pleasure. That's oh, right. Well, and Chris, thank you. Have, I hope you're out of jail soon, yes, Chris. Yes, ma'am. It's a pleasure having you. <laughs> ha, have a great rest Likewise, of your evening. Tell Oscar, that we're, Me too. tell Oscar we're sorry we took him away from you tonight, okay? Or you away from him, so. All right. Oh, good night, Jane. Thank he you. He was he was very good kitty. Okay. Good night. Bye bye. Appreciate it. Uh-huh. All right. Well, there you go. See, I told you that what you're getting on molecular level. You know, you kind of you know. That... Well, <clears throat> let me hit this. Um... <laughs> can we use can we use the catalyst on brokers and eliminate them all together? Listen, I was I was waiting, I was waiting for Bruce to offer the catalyst as a as a cure for the thing that shall not be talked about over the last two or three years, you right. know, somebody, somebody got a bad cough. Well, have you tried the catalyst? Uh, but I want to hit this one. If I'm running this in a generator, does this help with fuel preservation and storage? I think one thing that we should think about. Okay. And it doesn't matter if it's an OEM truck builder, if it's a fuel provider, what they want is, they want to produce a product as efficiently as they can and as cheaply as they can, but maybe not make it as good as it could possibly be. Okay. I mean, you look at the, 
you look at the drag racing world, they can pull a, an LS427 out of a junk yard and make that thing make a 1,000 horsepower. Okay, well, if it can make a 1,000 horsepower in a race car, why can't it make a 1,000 horsepower in a street car? Well, because it's not practical. It's not efficient. Chevrolet's not going to build 1,000 horsepower V8s to put in your Silverado, okay? So even though that platform is capable of producing 1,000 horsepower, it's not practical for them to make it produce 1,000 horsepower. They can make it produce 375, you know, and set you back in the seat and make you feel good. So when we're adding this catalyst, I mean, I'm getting ready to – I might use some of it in our, I buy 30 gallons of recreational gas uh, every time for the mower because um, we got four acres to mow um, and I buy the non-ethanol stuff. But I thought, you know, well, what, what, would, what would happen if I put some catalyst in that? And there's plenty of people, there's plenty of anecdotal evidence of people using the catalyst in their diesel Jetta, in their boats, in their four-wheelers, in their other vehicles because – What's happening on the molecular level there is providing some benefit. Um, and like she said at the very beginning, part of the, um, oh, there's a word I'm looking for. It's not coming to me because I've had too much of this drink. <laughs> but on a molecular level, by the way, yeah, my, my molecules are doing just fine right yeah, now. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I gave you the night off. You, you left me. You abandoned well, me. Well, listen, okay? I, you were perfectly capable of hand. I was monitoring the situation. Oh, um, so we met with your approval, Jane and I? 100%. Y'all okay. did a fantastic job. Well, it's all her, not me. Okay. So I just had but, to. But so here's, here's the thing. Um, this will improve combustion, period. Right. 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 Um, and, and that's where it comes down to. And, and, and Larry, using the example of the CMC those years ago, yeah, what y'all did was because the scientific method, which has been unbelievably bastardized over the last three years, but the scientific method is to have a control, right? Mm -hmm. Well, here's the thing that we're going to compare the other thing to. And we're going to do, we're going to test and test and test and test. And we're going to look for variables and we're going to, you know, we're going to test that scientific process. And what y'all did was you had a control group, right. which was everybody. Right. And then you would test and try different things because people would come and make claims. Oh, hey, use our, what was that turbo, turbo 3000? Turbo 3000 D. And, and people, and, and we, we were inundated with people wanting to get our, our, uh, you know, Kevin sponsorship, you know. Mm -hmm. So we would, you know, I mean, Kevin was very careful not to become a snake oil salesman, with the exception of the three thousand Turbo Three Thousand D. I think that's the one that he messed up on. That's when they got him. But uh, but after that, we, you know, we were and we and it's listen, it's really really hard to test fuel mileage because I mean, it, there's so many variables. I mean, there's so, now now one advantage that Kevin had is he had three trucks that did the same thing every mm -hmm. day. So he had three trucks. I mean, he could put one, I mean, one of them could be the, the, the baseline, the other two could try it. His, his operation was, was so uh, consistent yeah. that we had an advantage there because we could run on his three trucks down Florida, you know. Um, and so, and then, of course, we had to rather, you know, we were, there was, you know, two or three hundred of us that, you know, that, that participated in, in, in whatever effect we could, you know, we could, we could have one. But. And you can't, 
you 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 can push the limits only so far, right? I mean, you you take the like I mean the 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 YouTube community around drag racing and and auto racing, you know, mechanical things. Listen, I can't afford to blow up a twenty five thousand dollar engine. You know, I, I like I can't go that far. Right. You know, you can be thirteen twenty or Cletus McFarlane on one of these guys and blow up a thirty five thousand dollar engine. And be like, ah, oh, it's all right. You know, hey, we, you know. Well, we can't do that. We have to stay within the limits of what's practical right. because I'm not going to push an engine to eight, 900 horsepower because then we see, well, now you start breaking drive lines. Now you start breaking transmissions and breaking rear ends and you're, you're doing more damage for what benefit, you know? Well, that's just it. What, what's the advantage? You know, right. I mean, everything we talk about is, is again, so to bring it, it for as little as possible. And to bring it full circle is okay. In business, which is what we're doing here, like Larry says so eloquently, <laughs> when you buy a truck, you are starting a business. Right. Okay. Well, businesses are about making a profit. If all the profit is going out the tailpipe, because you're rolling coal on somebody and show somebody how fast you can go from one stoplight to the next. Well, you're not going to be in business very long. So what makes this product fantastic is it provides such a practical result wherein you can operate a diesel truck with all of the unbelievably unnecessary restrictions that are placed on them. The more you choke a diesel down, the worse it's going to perform. And so at least now, thank God for the free market because the government implemented these uh, unnecessary emissions restrictions on these trucks and created a problem that nobody could fix. And, of course, the government's not going to fix it. It, it took 10 years. It, it took yeah. 10 years to get the engineering decade. correct. Right. You know. took a decade. Right. And now at least we know, like, because we get the question all the time, well, what if you live in California? Move. Move. Okay. Well, I can't move. Okay. So what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to buy a truck that's California compliant. I'm going to clean it, and I'm going to run the catalyst. All right. There's your, there's your solution provided for that truck because it, 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 when I watch this, this, this crowd of bootlickers <laughs> that don't care, like the government can come in and absolutely burn their neighbor's house to the ground and they couldn't care less as long as they're on team, save the fill blank, in the blank, right? fill in the blank. Yeah. They don't care what damage is done. They couldn't care less. But now the market has responded, as I knew it would. I knew the market would, would come because I've been the victim of this. I had a damn 2011 Peterbilt that cost me $60,000 in seven months. You know, I've been there, and it's so frustrating. It was like the feeling that I had when they, when they cut my TikTok off the other night. It's like you can't help but feel like you've been robbed. You know, and that's how I felt with that Peterbilt, because no matter how desperately we tried to make that truck run, it would just shut off. 